Before we get started, I'd just like to have a moment of prayer, if you would pray with me. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We come before you, and I am new at this, Lord, so I just ask that you let my words be your words. Let me say what you want me to say to these people. And Lord, I do want to lift up all of those who are hurting, all of those who are in need of your healing. Please, Lord, be with Jerry. Um, Give those physicians discernment to be your healing instrument, Lord. Be with Jean and Stacy and Jeff and the girls as they travel home. Um, Give them traveling mercies. Lord, be with those caretakers who are caring for those who are sick, who are who are at their end of their lives, Lord. It's, it's not an easy job. Lord, I just ask that you be with Pam and Glenn, with Barb, with all of those who are here. And we just are so thankful that we know you are here, Lord. In your most heavenly name we pray, amen. So our, math, our um, reading today, our scripture reading, is Matthew 16, 24 through 26. So if you can just read with me, I won't make you stand again. (laughs) Um, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Forever who desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? This is the word of God for all people. Thanks be to God. So bear with me. Um, As you probably all know, this is my first time giving a message. And I'm here because I've been hearing the call to speak um, for quite a long time. But I wasn't listening. Um, I've, I've been a certified lay speaker for about five years, and I, I did this, I took these lay speaker classes because I was asked to be your lay leader. And Sue, you know, was like, hey, come to, you know, come to these classes, and, you know, it'll be real helpful. So one class leads to another, and then before you know it, I get the certificate in the mail saying I'm a certified lay speaker. That was not my plan. So I've resisted. Um, you know, I, I've been a lay leader. I serve on a lot of the committees. I do the VBS, but I'm not a speaker. I speak for work, but it's different in my mind. It's, um, you know, it, I have a curriculum I give. I, I have good, you know, guidance. It's pretty written out there for me, and I teach classes to new people. I teach quality improvement methodology. It's something I do. It's, it's, it's easy to me. This is just way out of my comfort zone. So, you know, I'm here. I resisted the call for years, and I, I kept hearing the Spirit, but I kept saying I'm not ready. But he was patient with me, and here I stand. So in the words of Aretha Franklin, I have great R-E-S-P-E-C-T for anybody who's standing in this pulpit. It looks way different than on that side. Um, And I challenge anybody to try to give a message on Sunday because this was a labor of love. 
And, a, and I kept going down at rabbit holes. I really was blessed. I've, I started in Matthew, and I was, I was everywhere. And I'm like, okay, I have roughly 15 minutes probably. I got to pare this down. So just to let you know. But my, my sermon, my message really came from um, a Lenten study that I've been doing this season. It's called Gospel Lives, um, Encounters with Jesus by John Endermark. I think it was a study we did several years ago. It was a book I had laying around. And around Lent, I decided I really not wanted to get into the Word, get a little closer to the Lord, so I just took upon myself to do this again. And I don't remember a lot of it from the first time, so obviously I didn't get much from it. But I've been blessed this time around. And as the title implies, the scripture readings are from the Gospels. So the first week of the study was titled, Called. Jesus calls. What is your answer? That's what I'm talking about today. So there is a connection. And on day four, the focus was on Mark 15, 21. I do want to read it. It's really short. But it really got me thinking. So... Mark 15, 21, they forced a man coming in from the country who was passing by to carry Jesus' cross. He was Simon, a Cyrenian, the father of Alexander and Rufus. Hmm. So, you know, it was saying um, in the scripture, we get the impression that Simon just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Or was it in the right place at the right time? Um, He doesn't carry the cross for Jesus on the way to Golgotha out of choice, but from compulsion. The Romans forced him, per the um, scripture. It was a one-time duty, and then he was sent on his way. But was it a changed way? The Gospels, Matthew and Luke, also mention that this man, um, they mention him by name. But Mark is the only one, because I looked, I had to check it out. Mark was the only one that mentions that Simon was father of Alexander and Rufus. Hmm, that's got to be pretty significant. To me, it implies that the Cyrenians um, was known to the community that Mark was addressing. In the lesson, the author refers us to Romans 16, 13. Sorry, my scrolling isn't happening here well. And it's where Paul sends greetings to Rufus, chosen by the Lord. Hmm, is that the same Rufus that was the son of Simon? Maybe. Perhaps this is the same son, and it means that his Simon's life was forever changed by the encounter with Jesus, and now his sons are carrying on. I can't imagine how it couldn't be. How can your life not be changed when you carried the cross of our Savior? The, the lesson concludes that we sometimes are forced into actions that we have not chosen, we might prefer not to face again. That sounds familiar. There's a lot of things I've been forced into that I hope I never encounter again. But how do we respond to these situations? Do we endure and then go on as if nothing has ever happened? Or do we respond in such a way that we change our course and perhaps those who have come after us. Well, this really got me thinking. Um, And I'm a a thinker, and sometimes I overthink. And I never thought of God's call from this perspective, from a chance encounter, and it can change my course based on how I respond. Or circumstances we do not choose can be a call from God to respond in a certain way. This made me think about our circumstances with the UMC. 
and our disaffiliation. It was based on changes we didn't choose. And our response to that circumstance is now changing our course and those who come after us. Whoa. Like, that was like, whoa. So this just really started making me think. So the three things I want to really discuss today are, one, we are called to follow Jesus. Two, we are called to make followers of Jesus. And three, we are provided spiritual gifts to use to grow the body of Christ. So that's why we have all these gifts here. We all have them. We accept Christ. We are given gifts. He gives us the way. He gives us the tools we need. So the first one, we are called to follow Jesus. This is really the scripture that we just read. So Jesus called on his disciples after encounters with them. They, they were compelled to follow him after these encounters. Like he didn't just call people passing by that he didn't encounter. He, he came, he, he, he talked to them, and then they became compelled their response to the encounter with Jesus was to listen and consider. And their response to his call was to follow. And so it is with us. So, you know, I was looking at um, taking up your cross when I found this scripture, and it really just came to me. It's a God thing. I prayed for a lot of discernment, a lot of um, help from the Spirit, because, as I said, this is not my thing. And so when I was looking at that, it's like, what does that mean? Take up your cross and follow me. So in Matthew 10, again, I started just looking at different scriptures, and I spent a lot of time in Matthew. In Matthew 10, 38, he tells his disciples, and whoever doesn't take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And then again, in Matthew 16, 24, that we just read, if anyone wants to come with me, he must desire and deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. This must be a pretty important message if Matthew mentions it twice. <clears throat> so I had to, excuse me, <clears throat> I had to look up in my study Bible and I had to start looking around. And according to my study Bible, taking up the cross really means a radical commitment. So radical is not something we use a whole lot anymore. I think in our 60s and 70s, we used it quite a bit. You know, that's rad, dude, right? But um, radical really means um, it, is, um, it is changing. It is, um, what's another word? I was just, I did a lot of research, but it's, it's, it's different, right? We're different. It's something that is not normal. It's radical. It's life-changing. So there can be no neutral ground. We are to either be for him or against him. We can't say, yeah, I could take him or leave him. It, it isn't that way. Anyone who follows Christ whoops, must be willing to suffer. So this might not mean physical suffering, such as in the early Christian times or some of these other countries um, for us in the U.S., we may not be physically suffering, but we can be ridiculed. We can be alienated from friends and family um, and really be, um, I guess, um, uh, I don't know. Anyways, it, it, there's a lot that can come with Jesus, right? So Jesus calls us to follow, but he gives us some ground rules in this. He's telling us it's not about us. It's not always going to be easy but you will reap the benefits if you hang in there. 
he gives us disclosure in this statement, right? He's, he gives us disclosure. We don't have to follow him. It's our choice. So again, it made me come back to, because this is where we're at right now, right? Our disaffiliation from the United Methodist Church is really a, an example of this radical commitment. Many of us are leaving a denomination we've been a part of most of our lives, my entire life for me. And we are losing some of our beloved church family as a result. But the UMC wants to be neutral. We can't be neutral. We at LaGrange Methodist or LaGrange Global Methodist are all in with Christ. This is radical commitment. We are, we are being committed to make a change. And it's not going to be easy, and it maybe isn't comfortable right now, but we're making a stand. So I started looking at the rest of this verse. You know, and my, this version was just a little bit different than mine. My version actually said, um, for anyone who wants to come with me must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So I thought, what does that mean? I have to deny myself? So the Lord wants unwavering devotion from us. We must give up those, part of that, those parts of us, those things that keep us from that right relationship with him. We can't worship our possessions, our money, our power, our beauty, or addictions, and Jesus too. We have to make a choice. God is a jealous God. Radical commitment also means embracing change. That's where we're at right now. We're changing. Things are not going to be the same, so face it. It's not going to be the same. I work um, as a change agent. I am a quality improvement specialist, and I work to help change processes in healthcare. And one of my favorite sayings, it's not mine, it's from Don Berwick, who um, led the um, Institute for Healthcare Improvement, but he said, not all change leads to improvement, but all improvement begins with change. We've got to change if we want to improve and move forward. So, you know, it made me really think that, you know, it doesn't happen over time, but Jesus does change us inside, from the inside out. We've got to be patient. He's still working on me. He got me up here after how many years? So it doesn't happen overnight. Um, and I did start thinking about Matthew. I don't know if any of you have been watching The Chosen. I know Pastor Floyd has started a little Bible study with The Chosen, but it's a pretty, it's a pretty cool series. And he really focuses on, in the first season, um, how he called his disciples to follow him. One of them was Matthew, who was Levi. He was a tax collector before Jesus called him to follow him. So Levi had position and he had money within the community, but he was the scum of the earth to the Jews because he was a Jew who was collecting these exorbitant amounts of taxes for the Romans um, and for the Roman Empire. So he was betraying his people to collect those taxes. But Jesus showed grace to Levi. And he, he actually had dinner with him and a lot of other low people um, in society, which was totally taboo. But because of that grace that Jesus gave to Matthew and actually had dinner, broke bread with him, he called Levi to follow him. Follow him. And then Levi did answer his call. 
He denied who he was, and he gained his life as Matthew, a disciple of Jesus. So that, to me, is like a, that was a radical move for him. You know, and in The Chosen, and I'm sure they took a lot of liberties because we don't know everything about um, these, these people that Jesus called to follow him before that time. But you can imagine that, hey, you know, he, he, he had it pretty good. He, he was certainly looking better um, and had it easier than everybody else in his community. But perhaps being ostracized and having to give up his, his family, his friends, was just enough. He had had enough, and he made a radical commitment and changed his life. But we can choose how to answer Jesus' call to follow. Matthew 16, 22 also tells us about a rich man who asked Jesus, how do I have eternal life? And Jesus answers with the commandments, um, you know, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt honor me. And the man responds, I have kept all these. What do I lack? And Jesus answers and tells him to sell all his belongings and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. The man walked away grieving because he had many possessions. So does that mean Jesus wants us to give up all of our possessions? Maybe some are called to do that, but not most of us. But he does want us to get our priorities straight. If our things, if the things of our heart, um, those things that we desire, do not align with Christ and his commandment to love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might, and the second, to love your neighbor as yourself, then we must deny them to gain our own life. So now I've decided to follow Jesus. What now? What do I do? Well, Matthew 28 gave us the Great Commission. So Jesus, so 18 through 20 states, Then Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you, and remember, I am with you always to the end. So it's been part of our mission statement here at um, LaGrange to make disciples of Christ. But what is a disciple? Per the Oxford Dictionary, um, it's followers of Christ. That's pretty simple, right? So that's easy. A disciple is a follower of Christ. And a fun fact I learned in my little rabbit holes trying to get ready for this, that Acts 11.26 states that disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Disciples are simply Christians. I didn't even know that, so I learned something very new. But we are called to action as disciples, as Christians. The Great Commission tells us, go make Christians of all nations. That includes here in LaGrange. But how do we do that? Well, we have instructions here, God's word, um, and we have the Holy Spirit to guide us. But, and this is our, my third point, we are provided spiritual gifts to do this. So here's all, look at all of these gifts. I mean, I'm looking at all of these, these postcards with gifts. Some may be the same, some may dif be different, some are unique. So in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, it says, now you are the body of Christ and individual members of this. That means we're the church. The church is not this building. It's not a denomination. It's the people who represent Christ and tell the good news of Jesus and that gift of salvation. And we're given these spiritual gifts and talents 
if we listen and respond. So Romans 12, 6, 8 says, according to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If your gift is prophecy, use it according to your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, give with generosity. If it is to lead, do it with diligence. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Our gifts are such as preaching. There's other gifts such as preaching, language, language interpretation, healing, and miracles that are mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, 27 through 31, if you want to learn more. But there's also, I think, other things such as our talents, music, art, singing, administration, organization, that can be also considered gifts that we can use. We can use here in LaGrange, we can use it to further this, this kingdom and grow God's church. Paul recognizes that all people, he says in 1 Corinthians 7, 7, which I got to chuckle on this one. He says, I wish that all people were like me, but each has his own gift from God, one person in this way and another in that way. We need to recognize everybody's unique gifts and we need to use them. I believe these gifts can change over time. I think God graces us with the gifts we need to meet those needs for a specific time. We have gifts that remain constant but others may be at it to grow in faith or to answer a particular call. Um, I've taken a spiritual um, gifts assessment a few times now over the years, and I'm surprised each time a new one pops up that I didn't have previously. Oh, and by the way, ministry has never been one of them in my past spiritual um, gifts assessments. I wonder if it will be now. Um, so anyway, sometimes using our spiritual gifts takes us out of our comfort zone. I'm here. It is work. It is even hard work. But our gifts are meant to be used. James 2.18 says, Show me your faith without works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Faith should produce things, those fruits. Our spiritual gifts are provided to help this process. Jesus calls us to follow him. That call leads to spiritual change and spiritual gifts that are provided so we can answer his call. How will you use your gifts to answer your call? We have young people in here. You're never too young to use those gifts. It doesn't matter how young, and it doesn't matter how old. So I'm here because two weeks after I started this Lenten study, and I began to read about the different ways we are called to follow Jesus, Pastor Floyd sent me an email with dates he needed for someone to give the message on his days off. I heard the Spirit whisper this time, it is time. I, I'm going to cry a little bit here. I answered PFC's email reluctantly with this date. Coincidence? I think not. We are disaffiliating from a denomination that chooses to put the world values before Jesus. This is because Dave Tuttle was listening, paying attention to his call, and he answered. He was using gift of prophecy to lead us down the righteous path. We are all called. We can choose to listen, and we can choose to answer. But we have to choose. Are you listening? How will you respond? LaGrange United Methodist Church, nope, LaGrange Methodist Church, see, it's going to take a little bit of time, is in a unique position. We have answered that call to follow Jesus. 
not the world. We're called to make followers of Jesus. We have a lot of opportunities. We have young people in this congregation who need things that we maybe aren't offering now, but we can. We have all these gifts. We have young people searching to fill a God-shaped hole in their lives in our community and outside of our community. Look at AA on any Monday night. They're filling these things instead um, with the ways of the world, and they are lonely. They're depressed. They're suffering from addiction. We have a lot of off to offer, and we have a lot of work to do. Do you hear him calling you to a specific ministry or mission? And I have a few listed here. Of course, the top one, I'm a little selfish here, VBS, right? It's coming up. Um, do you like children? Do you have a talent? Can you do music? Can you help lead music during VBS? Nursery attendance. Kim started this nursery in the back so that our young families can come in, enjoy listening to the word while their kids are entertained. We need to start up our children's church and our Sunday school again. We need to bring people in, but we have to have the resources to bring them in. AA babysitting. Oh, I was there on Monday. That is a rambunctious group. We need help. And maybe, are you good at organizing activities for these young kids? They need some direction. They need some help while we are watching them. Assisting with the youth group or helping with their events, helping with technology during service. We have Gus up there doing this. He's a young person. He's stepped up. He's answered his call with his talent. Singing in the choir. You know, we... We need, we need those voices. That worship music is so empowering. It's, it's one of my favorite parts of the service. And then serving on the various committees. We just heard from the finance committee. There's a lot of committees. It takes a lot to do this. Um, we, we are not a building as far as a church, but we need this building, right? So there's a lot to keep it operating. So you, earlier you wrote down your gifts and placed them on this altar. Prayerfully consider how you can use your spiritual gifts to answer his call. Thank you. Can you join me 